0: G-I-R-L-S-C-A-M-P, it's Girls' Camp. Hello everyone, welcome to Girls' Camp. I'm going to be very brief and just hop into this episode with today's guest, Jenna Jarvis. She is so phenomenal, I'm not joking when I say this episode was really life-changing for me. It felt very timely. We talked a lot about religious OCD because Jenna has been diagnosed with religious OCD, and then we talk about her journey of healing and into self-acceptance and self-love, which she is just an incredible example of, and she inspires me so much. I know she will inspire you too, so I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Jenna Jarvis. I'm gonna have you intro
1: yourself. But before you do that, how did we meet actually? So my first memory with you is borrowing your homecoming dress. Do you remember? I forgot <laughs> about that, the pink one. No, no, no. It was like white with like sequins. Oh, the There's sparkly. One. I thought yeah. it was the
0: pink floral one. Oh, it had like the sequin top and then yes, like the white. Yes. I love that dress. <laughs> we need to find that photo yeah, of me do. in it and then of you in it. Yes. Oh my gosh, cute. That was Perfect. in high school. Yeah. So we crossed paths. Remind me what high school you went to, Timpanogos? Um Timpanogos and Oram. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was at Timpview. So we were like close-ish. Yeah.
1: I was in love with all the Timpview boys. So I was always there, you know? <laughs> oh, of
0: course. I feel like we actually, those schools like overlapped the most. Oh, yeah. So I like, we knew each other not super well, but I feel like I followed so much of your journey just because we connected in high school like on social media and stuff and I just think you are such an inspiration in so many ways and you are doing so many cool things so let me give you the chance to introduce yourself just who you are where you're from what you do and then we'll go from there
1: okay um so I'm from Orem Utah went to high school in Orem and then went on a mission to Argentina and then I came home and I've started my company. Vulnerability is cool. It's like a women's mental health organization and I'm like obsessed with it. It's my child. It's so
0: cool. Say more about vulnerability is cool. I've been to a vulnerability is cool event. It was life changing. So phenomenal. Give kind of the elevator pitch of what vulnerability is cool.
1: Is. Um, okay. I would say it's an organization to help men and women fall in love with themselves. Mm. That's like my main, main goal is to help people fall in love with themselves. So they make better decisions and their relationships and their work and all all different aspects of I their life. I love that. You know? And you do events.
0: You have healed girl school going on right now, right? Mm-hmm. Where you like do touch points with people. Yeah. You have products, the whole thing. It's I love it. so great. Thank I too. feel like you really walk the walk of vulnerability is cool. You share really vulnerably about what I have seen as an outside party, a really huge healing journey yourself, going through a lot of, it sounds like trauma that's connected to a lot of different things. And then as I see you now, I mean, I know it's never, you're never fully healed, right? But I see you as someone who has just really kind of gone through it and put in the work and now we're on this side of things where you can kind of share that advice and that wisdom with other people.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Which is so inspiring.
1: Yeah, and I feel really lucky that I did put in the work, you know, because I think it would have been really easy not to, but also so much harder in the long run, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. Yes, putting in the work is a big deal. It's a lot. I feel like I'm still in my journey of putting in the work, and I think doing that publicly is huge too because you're showing people what it actually looks like, and it's not always pretty yeah (laughs) but it's real you know Mm -hmm. so what I'm hoping to talk about with you is the mental health aspect of things because we were talking briefly before and you mentioned you had some religious OCD in your journey you were very intensely in the church Mm -hmm. talking about your transition out of the church and I want to talk a lot about how that relates to dating And maybe even lack of dating. What do you feel like drew you to starting Vulnerability is Cool?
1: So I had a pretty crazy um, upbringing. Mm. And I always kind of felt like I was just alone in it, you know? And then I went to an event. I don't know if you went. It was in Provo. Um, Sarah Perez threw it. Oh, yes. I was there. Yes. Yes. And Remy spoke at it. And she shared kind of her story with her child that has like a... Yeah, chromosomal... disorder I think yeah yeah and she was like crying and like all of high school I just like looked up to her like she was perfect and I didn't think she had any issues you know for me that was huge like to know someone like her that I admired so much had like gone through so much and was able to like come out on the other side Mm -hmm. I don't know it was just so big for me that I was like I want to do something like this you know cool and so that's how I got into all of it you know just that moment I feel like totally changed my life (gasps) that's so cool Wow, already thinking of
0: so many things. Not that our home lives were completely similar, but I'm curious if you resonate. I remember feeling in high school, like everyone around me is so rich and they have perfect Mormon families. Yes. And nobody knows my home life was different than that. Totally. It felt not only just hard because it's hard, but it also felt really isolating because Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just around these perfect Mormon families.
1: Especially because we
0: hung out with those kids. Totally. Yes. I always felt like, the poor girl. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like the one who, you know, my parents, my dad struggled with alcoholism. And I didn't even tell people that for a really long time because I just felt like nobody would relate. In Orem, Provo specifically, probably Alpine, Utah as well. There's just these like perfect Mormon families that if you, not that they actually are perfect or to discount anyone who comes from those families, because there's always things underneath the surface. But I do think It's an interesting experience to grow up amongst peers who have, you know, this really seemingly perfect nuclear family when that's not your experience. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you grew up. You said that you had, you know, kind of some tumultuous home life things. What was your upbringing like? with church stuff
1: so with church stuff it was always like my rock like always always I didn't have a great relationship with my parents mm. and um and all my extended family lived in California in Kentucky and I always felt pretty alone especially with like the like we don't have a ton of money and I feel like I didn't relate to my friends and I didn't want them to know that I had a hard home life or that I had like these things going on or that I was poor <laughs> like I totally. didn't I didn't want anyone to know that yeah and so it was Yeah. Isolating for sure. And Mm -hmm. I just like never felt fully accepted. I feel like with the church, it was like my way of like, if I'm all in on this and people see that I'm such a good girl, they're going to love me so much more and they're going to have a reason to love me. You know, I don't have money. I didn't feel like I was the cutest girl, but if I had this, then like I have everything. You know what I
0: mean? It's like the surefire way to acceptance is just being like a really good really dedicated Mormon and like guys,
1: parents, I feel like would always be like, Oh, she's so, you know, like, Oh, she's so in the church. And so then it would like boost my ego. I need to be way more in this, you know, Mm. I need to be the good girl.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you were very all in on the church. Yeah. You were doing it in this one sense because you felt like you could get acceptance. Do you feel like in another sense, like you did feel true safety going to church? Like, was it a good community for you?
1: Yeah. I, I loved it. I think, So I moved out when I was like 14 or 15 Mm. and I, but like the people in my ward didn't know. And so then I wouldn't go to young women's in that ward and they'd think I was like inactive. So then when I would come back to the church and they'd be like, we've missed you. And I'd just be like, I go to church. Like I'm still a good person. I just don't go here, you know? Mm. And so, but I really did. I felt so much safety, like girls camp. I thrived at girls camp, you know, and young women's, I loved it. I loved just sitting there, especially because I didn't have that like, um, I guess comfort in my own home. Like when I was at church and everyone was together, like I just loved it. I'm the kind of person, I always say this, but I loved COVID. I love funerals because everyone is going through the same thing. We're all connected like as a community. Yeah. And I think I loved church for that reason. We're all there for the same reason because we love Jesus Christ. Yeah. And
0: there's such a connectedness around that. And like a safety, it Mm -hmm. sounds like you're saying. Yeah. I can relate to that in a huge way too. Just feeling like when things didn't feel stable at home, things at least felt stable at church. Yes. And totally. there is a lot of safety in having a church community, especially you were saying, like, you didn't have the best relationship with your parents at that time. So to have adults that you can connect yeah. to and go to, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're feeling all in on the church for those reasons. Do you feel like growing up with kind of a tumultuous home life, you weren't necessarily fitting the mold. Were there any cracks in your shelf, any issues you felt with the church or was it just full on all Uh, in?
1: So because I didn't have the best relationship with my mom, that was really, that's like a huge part of my life. I'm going to get emotional, but Mm -hmm. they do mommy, mom and daughter activities and my mom didn't come. And like, that was so hard for me. You know, like I always just felt like Oh, like my mom's my best friend. And like me and my mom just have our differences. We just don't connect in that way. And then she wasn't like in the church. And so for me, it was just, I always felt so kind of like dumb and almost like, why, why do all these girls have a mom in the church? And I don't, you know? Mm, And like, yeah, like, and then I'd go with like my friends to the mom and daughter activities and go with their moms. I kind of felt like an outcast a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know? Totally.
0: Well, especially those are such tender years, that, that sounds really hard in so many ways to not have that connection with your mom. Yeah, totally. And you said your mom was not in the church, but your dad, was he active?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay, this is a, uh, my favorite part of the story. Um, my mom comes from a family. Uh, my grandpas are gay. And my gay pause on my mom's side. Amazing. And then on my dad's side, my grandparents have served like five missions. Everyone's super active. You know, it's just like totally the opposite. Completely
0: split. Yeah. So you have your mom's side that's just very much not in. And then your dad's side, which is very, very totally in, which that's hard in and of itself too. like I had that with my dad where you're going to church. And even though there's safety there, you're also learning things about What families need to do to stay together. And you're like, well, shit, my family's not. And and it's so
1: conflicting because you're like, well, why isn't my parent doing that? How are you supposed to have positive thoughts about your parents when they're not doing exactly what you think they're supposed to be doing? You know what I mean? Oh, totally. That doesn't mean what they were doing was wrong, but like, that's how we were raised. Totally. Well, you're taught like the way to be a good person
0: is to do XYZ things in the church. Yeah. So if your parent is not doing those things, it's really hard to kind of even conceptualize. If they're a good person or not, it, it gets really confusing. Totally. Yeah. Okay, so you're all in, and you decided to go on a mission.
1: I never thought I'd go, but my best friend my whole life, since I was three years old, I always kind of did what she did, and she was going on a mission, and my high school boyfriend was going on a mission and I was just like, you know what? I do love the church. It's always been my rock. There's things that I didn't really understand. Like the plan of salvation was always really, really hard for me Mm. because my grandpas are gay, you know? And I'd be like, they're my best friends. Like, I just don't understand. Like, how do I find this balance? You know? Mm. But I'd just be like, you just have to trust. So there would be like little things like that, but it was never like, oh, I don't know if the church is true. Never. I literally do not remember ever thinking growing up, like if the church wasn't true. Yeah. It just was. Mm -hmm. It's just like, yeah, of course. <laughs> totally yeah, yeah totally I relate to that but I had really bad religious OCD mm. really bad and like even already
0: pro- before the mission yes okay mm. tell me more up. about that
1: so my OCD started I don't know I don't know with with the LDS church it's really hard because we are taught to be like all in or not you know like you have to give your everything and so growing up though like I always had this like fear in me that my dad was gonna die mm. and like I would my OCD like developed in that way of like I would this is so so crazy but I would touch things four times with my pinky Mm. and if I didn't my dad was gonna die like wow yeah and it was just like this reoccurring thought like if you don't do it your dad's gonna die or like you have to take two steps in every square and if you don't your dad's gonna die and so OCD started when I was really young and then like growing up in the church like they're like you have to read your scriptures every day and write in your journal so I would wake up every single day and I had to read my scriptures first thing in the morning or I would have a bad day like always since I was literally like 12 years old had to you know? Yeah. And even if I didn't learn anything from it, I knew that if I read it, that I'd have a better day.
0: Yeah. And so... So you just had to do it. Totally. I'm so appreciative of you talking about this. I want to dig into this more because I think OCD, and this happens with all, you know, anxiety, depression, there's so many things that get thrown around pretty flippantly. Totally. But I think OCD particularly, people will say, oh, I have OCD or yeah. I was OCD about that. Yeah. But what you just described touching the pinky thing. That's OCD, right? Like obsessive compulsive disorder. Yes. Can you talk more about that? maybe some more things you experienced yeah. with that OCD, more examples and how and when you got diagnosed with it. I would just love to dive more into that.
1: Okay. Yeah. So like growing up, I didn't, I didn't know I had it. Like I remember being at Seven Peaks and you remember like the green squares that they used to have. Yes. I would have to take two steps in that or my dad was going to die, you know? Wow. And I remember jumping around in that and like going from square to square. And my friend, my best friend since I was three, she was like, you're so funny. You're always dancing. And in my head, I'm like, if I don't do this, my dad is going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you and know? you really
0: believe that that's what OCD does to your brain.
1: Yeah. And one of the other things that used to be tied to was my dog was going to die. And then my dog did die. And I think that's when I've kind of like transitioned a little bit. But for an example, like when I was going on my mission, I had a high school boyfriend. He like touched my boobs or something, you know, and I, the guilt, I was the kind of girl that would, this is part of my OCD. Like I would call the bishop immediately after leaving their house. It would be 9 PM. And I'd be calling my bishop and asking if I could come over. You know?
0: So you would leave the boyfriend's house. He touched your boob. You're on the phone with your bishop. Yes. I'm like wow. texting him. When
1: can I come over? Like, please, like, let me. I need to come talk to you. Like, I'm not OK. Like, I need to get this off my chest. Wow. You know? Wow.
0: Yeah. Off and your chest. Literally. Yeah.
1: <laughs> literally. <laughs> and one other thing is when I was leaving for my mission because of this, you know, but I was like. We like did not do a lot. It was just like that, you know? Yeah. And when I was leaving for my mission, I was like, I'm not worthy. I have to wait six months. And so I would tell my bishop and he'd be like, no, you're worthy to go on your mission. And I'd be like, I'm not. And so then right when I was going on my mission, doing my papers, I decided in that moment I was going to extend my mission. I already knew I was going to extend my mission because I knew I wasn't worthy to go in that new. I wasn't worthy to go in that time. This sounds so crazy. I've never said this out loud, But I knew I wasn't worthy to go in that time. So I knew I had to extend so that I could stay for the time I needed to be to meet the people I needed to meet. To make up for the what you thought was unworthiness. Yes.
0: Even though your bishop said you're completely worthy. Yes. It's completely fine. Yeah. Oh, That sounds so mentally torturous oh
1: my gosh and it's constantly all day in my brain you know even still I still struggle with those now I can like talk myself out of it a little bit Mm -hmm. but it's still there so strongly
0: yeah well now once you understand what it is but as a kid not even understanding what it
1: is that's so difficult and like tied with the church you know those stories of I was driving down the road and I felt like I should take a left turn and then I did and then I saved someone's life or I didn't die in a car accident I will still be driving down the road my brain will be like turn left turn left turn left you know or in high school I would do that and my friends would be like why do You always like go so weird and I just be like, oh, this way is just better, you know?
0: But you felt like you would have a thought and you had to follow it. Maybe I'm going to save someone Mm -hmm. or maybe I would hit someone. This is so interesting to me because being all in on Mormonism specifically can feel in some ways like OCD Yeah. with those like spiritual prompting things because Mm -hmm. I... I mean, maybe I actually had, now that we're talking about it, maybe I actually had slivers of that, but it wasn't so much the like, I have to do these certain specific things or my dad will die. But I would, for example, every night before bed, I would say, please bless, there won't be an earthquake, hurricane, tornado, fire, flood, tsunami, robbery, terrorist attack. And I thought if I didn't list every single one, then the one I forgot would happen. So I'm like... As if there's even going to be a tornado in Utah. I know, literally. (laughs) But I thought like, oh, I have to pray for these specific things or else there will be a fire and everyone will die and it will be my fault. Yeah. And although obviously as an adult, you know that that's not what actually Mormonism is maybe teaching, you are taught things like you need to pray for yourself and your family and for safety. It's not that far off in some ways from what you're actually being taught to do. Yeah. Yeah. And like with your repentance thing with your bishop, you are taught once a guy touches your boob, you are unworthy until you confess. Yeah, I hate that. I hate it. And it makes sense that if your brain was already wired to have those to have OCD, you had OCD. Oh, yeah. That's going to exacerbate it a lot. Obviously, you can have mental health disorders with no religion. Do you feel like religion made it worse? Do you feel
1: like it was tied to religion? for sure I feel like for sure made it worse something with the church I think I'm I think you talked about this with Maddie Murphy yeah but just like I'm really grateful that I was raised in the church I'm really grateful that my first thought is to serve people when I'm sad you know I'm really grateful for those things and I think that because I had kind of an rocky home life. The church was like my rock and it did keep me safe. I think with the OCD and the trauma, like there was different things, like there was a therapist in my ward that sometimes I talked to. So it did help me, but for sure it did make it worse. I am so all or nothing. And I know that comes from the church because my parents aren't like that. My brother's not like that. I think it's just the way that I took the rules and stuff of the gospel. I really took them to the extreme. Yeah,
0: totally. No, that makes so much sense. I think that's a really good way Of describing it too, because it can be both things. The church can have helped you maybe in some ways to have more stability than you would have otherwise and also exacerbated some mental health issues too. Yeah, Like it can be both things. I think that's a really good reminder.
1: Yeah, especially talking to bishops. I would go in and I would feel like I had to tell them every single detail. And I had a bishop, they would ask me, he's like, did you climax? He would ask me that, you know? Just like things like that. I didn't even know what that meant. Yeah. And like- like, but my OCD, like I had to make sure I was telling them every single detail. And now I look back and I'm just like, ew, <laughs> how did I do that? And like, I how know. did this man just sit there and listen to me say that? No, you know?
0: I, it's really wild because I talked to a lot of people about the bishop interview thing, the bishop confession stuff. And they're like, well, I just lied. Literally, that was not an option oh, for me. Same. No not way. because I'm honest, but because I would be so tortured by lying, I had to tell him everything. And I would leave the interviews and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't tell him this little thing. Or I didn't tell him like this exact detail. Even on my mission, I confessed everything growing up. Then right before your mission, you have to confess everything again. So I did that. And then even on my mission, I went to my mission president in the first two months of my mission. And I was like, I don't think I told all the
1: details. Same, girl.
0: Really? We're the <laughs> yes. same. I was like, I need to tell you these details. And he was like,
1: please don't. He's like, you're yeah. fine. <laughs> I would call my mission president and be like, if we weren't doing well, I'd be like, like in our area, yeah, have you know, baptisms. I'd be like, I'm not worthy to be here. And he'd be Aww. like, what did you do? And I'd be like, I just know. Like, I know there's something that I haven't told you. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> he'd be like, Sister Jarvis, like, it's okay. you like, know. I promise you're okay.
0: Yeah. It is so hard to feel that way. I think we even underestimate, even talking to you now, which I don't think I had it nearly as extreme as you do and did. That takes such a toll mentally to feel for so long, so guilty about being a normal human being. Yeah,
1: (laughs) That's really hard. I think one of the things that I've been thinking about as I've been like preparing for this podcast yeah I feel like I'm preparing a church oh time. amazing I love I'm it i like I need to be <laughs> in a good mindset I need to, you know I mean? I'm obsessed um is that like leaving the church has given me a sense of wholeness mm-hmm. like I'm so emotional <laughs> period, you know. I love it. But um I feel whole for the first time in my life. I feel accepted for who I am and because I accept myself for the first time, you know.
0: Totally. That's so beautiful. And I echo that sentiment completely where I feel like not that people in the church can't have that feeling, but I couldn't have yes, that feeling exactly. in the church. Mm-hmm. And to feel I even still to this day will do things that I realize, oh, I actually don't have to feel bad for that. Yeah, I don't have to. And in the church, I was taught you should feel bad. Even when I make mistakes that I'm like, oh, I want to apologize and be better moving forward. I realize it's not beneficial for me just to sit and hate myself. Like that's not going to get me anywhere good. Totally. And that's something I remember you posted something It wasn't that long ago within the last six months. And I screenshot it. You were talking about loving yourself. And now I feel like I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) But you were talking about loving yourself in this way that I had never actually thought about it. You talked about how you listen to romantic music and think about yourself. Yes. My favorite activity. (laughs) That truly switched on a part of my brain that I didn't know was real. Whereas like, yes, of course we talk about loving ourselves, right? Love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. But what does that really mean? And you wrote this Instagram story and you're like, no, like I'm in love with myself. Like I love myself Yeah. and I sing love songs and I think of myself. I was blown away by that.
1: (sighs) That makes me sad. No, it's so
0: beautiful because I think Really, truly, like something I feel like I'm kind of reckoning with right now in my own journey. I've had a lot of change this year. Like my dad died. I've lost really close friends. And I've just been really kind of reckoning with ultimately at the end of the day, I have a husband who I love. I have my children who I love. I have so many people who I love. But really, it's me who's with me. (laughs) And especially when people in your life die, you realize nothing's permanent. Like the only permanent thing is living with myself and I just think you do such a good job at really finding ways to articulate how we can grow to like love ourselves and be comfortable with ourselves yeah and yeah it sounds like a lot of that journey for you was connected with your faith transition
1: too oh yeah And, like, with the love songs, I'm so passionate about this, you know? Yes, please, go. Like, I I think I always used to listen to these love songs and be like, I just want a guy to feel this way about me. I just want someone to, like, love me in this way. First off, because, like, I was never really put first in my life, like – My mom always came first for my dad. And then because he was so focused on her, like I was just always alone, always my whole life. And so my biggest thing, we'll get into my engagement or whatever, but like was just feeling like someone's putting me first, you know? And so now as I've figured this out and had this huge journey, it's like, the person, the most important relationship I will ever have is the one that I have with myself, you know? And like listening to these love songs has just been a game changer for me. Because I listen to all the songs. I listen to the song I was supposed to dance to at my wedding wow. and I sing it to myself. Wow. And I love it. I do all yeah. the time. You're you like, know? Yeah. Yeah. And like I'm just like, why do I just want everyone else to see these amazing qualities in me when I don't see them myself, you know? And so it's been a huge learning curve, but I think at the end of the day, when I go through a breakup or like a friend breakup or anything, I'm just like, well, at least I love myself. Totally. At
0: least I'm here for me. Yes, and that's A, the only thing you can really control anyway. Totally. You can't control how other people are going to show up for you. And like Bentley will, I mean, I'm getting vulnerable here, but I feel like so much of my issues in my marriage are literally what you just described. And I got married so young where I just learned to be like, no, you love me. You have to love me. You have to hype me up. And it's not that Bentley doesn't do those things, but it is that him even doing those things, even if he did them perfectly, which no one can ever do Mm -hmm. is never going to fill the void. Never. That is me not doing those things. And then I blame him. Mm -hmm. Well, you didn't show up for me in this way when in reality, I think so much of it is like, I'm insecure because I haven't given myself that love first. Totally. And I think when you're partnered, that can get really hard to do because since you're super young, you're like, okay, perfect. I found the person who's going to love me forever and Mm -hmm. always put me first. But guess what? They also have to put themselves first, too. Like, that's what gets so complicated. I think that is so huge. I'm really excited to hear, too, how that. Yeah, relates to your dating journey and what it's been like to date. You had an engagement that you broke off. Let's put a pin in that because I really quickly want to talk about your mission. Okay. Perfect. Because I would say my mission was when that religious OCD can get really intense. Do you feel like it was crazy to be on a mission with that mindset? How do you relate to your mission?
1: So my mission, I absolutely loved it. Mm. I extended because I wanted to extend, but like you Evening and emotional again. Like, I loved my mission. You know, like, I loved helping people. I loved seeing people's lives change. I loved eating with these people. In my home growing up, like, we wouldn't have family dinner. We didn't really do family home evening that often. Like, my dad really tried. He really tried, and I'm so grateful for that. We just didn't do those things. So, doing family dinner on the mission and, like, having a companion. I never had sisters. It was just... It was really hard. Don't get me wrong. Totally. But it was like so fun. I remember coming home from my mission and everyone was crying because they were so excited to see their family. And I was crying because I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to go home. I asked my mission president if I could extend again. And he said he would have to talk to one of the 12 apostles if I really wanted to. I'd have to write them a letter. And I considered it. I really did. But my mission president was like, you have another mission at home.
0: I don't think I knew any sisters who extended. Yeah. And even like the rare elder would be like, I'm going to extend. For people who don't know, you can request to extend your mission. And I think you're only allowed to do it one transfer, right? And it's pretty rare, even that, because usually people want to go home, even if they love it.
1: (laughs) This is something so funny. I got home from my mission and I asked my bishop if I could serve another mission (laughs) You're like, get I me was, back out there. My OCD was like, I am supposed to be out there yeah. still, still coming home. Everyone would be like, I had this super traumatic dream that I, you know, served another mission. Mine was like, I wish I was out there serving another mission. Yeah. You, know? you would like
0: dream like, finally I'm back. Yeah. It was
1: just like, that was home for me. Yeah. You know.
0: Do you feel like there's any element of a mission being the most you can really do, right? Like if you're on a mission and you're, doing your best on a mission, it doesn't get any less complicated than that in some ways.
1: Right? You are the most holy. Yeah. You're just doing it where when
0: you get home, it's complicated because there's so many other things where when you're just on your mission, Not that it's not difficult to do what you have to do on a mission, but I can also see how if you have religious OCD, you might be like, this is the one place I can be where I know that I'm doing everything I need to do. Yeah, I've never
1: connected those dots, but that's exactly it. For sure.
0: I I can see how that might be the case. And I've talked to Bentley a lot about this, and he was saying coming home from his mission was so difficult in the way that you described because he was like, it all made sense on my mission. I knew what to do to thrive. I knew what to do to really feel like I was contributing in the ways that I needed to. And then I got home and all of a sudden it was like really confusing and complicated in a way that a mission isn't. Oh, totally. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Let's talk about kind of your next steps after the mission with dating, with that engagement and how that all overlapped with faith stuff too. Okay.
1: This is like, So emotional for me and so exciting because I left the church a year ago and I just (laughs) like the only thing I can relate it to is like coming out of the closet. Yeah, people (laughs) say that a lot. I do feel so liberated and I feel so happy, but like also my heart is so tender because I honestly feel like I went through a huge breakup you know, because the church was so important to me and it still is like, it's always going to be a part of my life, but like I have found things that make me feel more whole. And I think a lot of the times people just assume that you're lazy or you're doing this and, but like for me, I couldn't half-ass the church. I was fully in. And the second that I was like, you know what, this doesn't resonate with me anymore. I was like, I have to be fully out. I personally cannot do that. I cannot half-ass this because I don't believe in that. Anyway.
0: Um, okay. So. And you haven't really talked in full about this journey. Never.
1: So thank you. It's so fun. I'm excited. Even some of my best friends, I've just never really talked to them about it because I don't know. I don't really know what to say and I don't want them to think of me differently, but I'm also like, well, this is who I am, you know?
0: Well, and already just to offer you any peace of mind around it, not that any relationship with the church is bad or wrong, but I sense from you that you just really want to do the best thing for yourself and how can anybody fault that you know you are doing what feels best for you and it's period the end and so I'm just excited to hear how that all unfolded
1: okay I'm excited okay so um I'm just gonna go from when I got home for my mission okay another thing that like my OCD like I would always want to go to the temple because I was like this is the only place that I can feel safe this is the only place I am safe you know it would be like I have to go here to get the answers that I need I have to so, um, I got home from my mission and then I was a young woman's leader and it was my favorite calling ever. I, um, like my, with my OCD, I would have to bear my testimony every fast Sunday, every single one I would have to get up there. Oh my and gosh. I loved getting up there. I loved giving church talks. I was so extreme, you know? And I think it's really hard that like the place that I felt so loved and accepted, I could go speak my truth. But now if I went up there and told them how I feel, I would like be shunned. You know? Yeah. And that breaks my heart. That mm. absolutely breaks my heart that they can't accept me now for who I am. Yeah. You know? It was
0: really conditional. Oh, and yeah. When you fit in, it was rah rah go Jenna. But when you don't anymore, it's conditional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's hard. so true.
1: Yeah. So I um, came home from my mission and then I did. I worked in Young Women's for like, I don't know, I think like six months. And then I was also working in the temple and then I did summer sales of you course. did? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know you did summer sales. I yeah. bet you killed it. <laughs> I, know. I bet you killed it. No, I that. didn't listen to this. I would bring a book of Mormon to the doors with me, and I would try to convert everyone to the church. And it was the perfect It was the perfect situation because they'd be like, where are you from? And I'd be like, I'm from Utah. And they'd be like, are you Mormon? And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I never thought you'd ask. You're Here like, we wait, go. I you actually know. happen to have <laughs> yeah. a book of Mormon. So then, they, then the guys that were over me would be like, so what did you do today? And I'd be like... So I actually bore my testimony to three people. <laughs> They're like, girly, I'm not your zone leader. Literally, <laughs> literally. So I did that. And then actually, you're going to die. Of course, this happens. So um, my high school boyfriend, I loved my high school boyfriend. We were best friends. I don't know if you remember. I never knew him. But we were just like best friends. And but I just felt like our relationship wasn't right. You know, I just did. and I think we both did. And I would just pray on my mission if we're not meant to be like, please bless him to get a girlfriend and get married you know yeah and before i get home and then i got home and then he did he got a girlfriend and they were like engaged when i got home and i was so heartbroken. but i also knew this is how it's supposed to be whatever so when i was doing summer sales there was one night and it was the night they got married i was doing summer sales and i was just like i hate my life why am i not married why am i not progressing and he is you yeah know? totally and so then i got on my knees and i prayed and i was like heavenly father i'm ready to progress in my life it was like an angry prayer um and then that night I... This guy DM'd me on Instagram, of course, and I was gonna go on an Instagram fast the next day. So this guy DM'd me on Instagram. And I'm like, it is isn't meant to be. So then we start talking. It's a guy like I had knew in high school. Mm-hmm. We were actually in the MTC together too. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. We like send each other our favorite church talks. We just start talking, and he's like, you should come home and just work for my dad because my dad works for this company. So I like thought about it for like a couple of days, and of course, I'm so extreme. So literally, like two days later, yep, I'm going home to date this guy. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and you'd
0: only really DM'd at that point. I mean, you knew each other kind of. Yeah, yeah, I
1: didn't really know him. But I was just like, oh, like we'd FaceTimed. We told each other that we loved each other. Wow. After like two weeks. Wow. And I was just like, oh, it's so meant to be. Like it's that prayer that I did, you know. Anyways, I go home. We start dating. And I am actually so in love with him too. I am such a lover girl. I will love you so damn hard, you know. And I always have been that way. Anyways, we're dating. And like literally four months go by. And we're like, of course, I'll just be Totally, I just want to have sex, you know, and we're both, but like active in the church and everything. And so then we get engaged and I felt horrible about it. I did not feel good. The Mm -hmm. night we got engaged, I had the sickest feeling and so did he, but we didn't talk about it. I was just like, Satan doesn't want eternal families, obviously. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. Little, we're going to pivot back to the mission really fast. You know how like the last words of your mission president are like gold. Whatever he says is what you want. Oh yeah.
0: You want it tattooed on your body. Oh yes. yes.
1: And my last interview, he told, he told all the sisters, you're going to go home and get married. He told me, you need to go home and work on your trauma. And I was literally like, excuse me. I'm like, I'm going home getting married in Yeah. My head, you You're know? like,
0: I'm doing what the rest of the scissors are doing. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I remember getting engaged and I'm getting the toes right now. Those thoughts from my mission president just came to my mind. You need to go home and work on yourself. Wow. And I was just like, but I would just push it back. I'm like, no, I love this guy. I want to be safe. I want to be in a relationship. I love him. Like this is meant to be, you know? Anyways, so we're engaged and I have this huge freaking rock on my finger. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. It yeah, has like the course. lyrics to our favorite song engraved on it. And I just love our little relationship. But also it's like heart. His family didn't like me. I didn't couldn't understand why. For me, that was really, really hard. I tried everything. But honestly, looking back, I think it just wasn't meant to be. And I'm really grateful that they didn't like me. Yeah, because it
0: probably helped get to oh, yeah. where you needed to be. Yeah.
1: I remember there was this point where they were like talking to me for a couple weeks and I was like, what's going on? So then we had like an intervention and I was like, I just like, I don't know why you guys are being distant. And the dad was like, Jenna, like you've been abandoned so many times in your life. You just think we're going to abandon you and you need to get over that. Hmm. Just conversations like that. I'd be like, oh my gosh. And then I think I'm in the wrong. Like, oh my gosh, what did I do? How do I make them feel I'm being needy. I'm yeah. being this or
0: that. Yeah. And so
1: then I would just like reevaluate always. And I'm always mm-hmm. trying to improve. That's how I've always been because I just want people to love me. Mm-hmm. That's honestly what it is. And Anyway, so then one day we were supposed to go to church together and he didn't come to church with me. And I was like, what's going on? And I wrote in my journal that day, like, I don't know what's going on with homeboy, but I all I know is I really don't want to be alone again. That's my Mm. biggest fear. And I actually didn't read that until like last year, which and I was like, oh, my gosh, I knew it was going to end. And then he came over and he was sobbing. And I just remember seeing his bright blue eyes. He's just face so red sobbing. I literally thought his mom died. I didn't know what was going on. He Mm. came inside. We go through like rolls of toilet paper. He's just sobbing and sobbing. And I'm like, please tell me what's going on. Like, I love you so much. Like, please tell me. And then he's like, we can't get married. And I was like, what? And the night before we had read our patriarchal blessings to each other. Mm. And he told me, I know my patriarchal blessing isn't talking. Or I know your patriarchal blessing isn't talking about me. And all it says is you'll marry worthy priesthood holder. And you'll recognize him through the promptings of the spirit. That's it. So I'm like... You're like, it's a little bit vague. I'm like, um, okay. You're like, Well, it's not matching up. Yeah. And so then I just like in that moment, I don't even know how I did it, but I was just like, Okay, gave him the ring back, he left my house. And we we had like gotten a place together, and I was living in it before we got married. So I was living there alone and he left and I just got in my car and I started driving and I just started screaming. Like I had no other way to release the emotions that I was feeling just started screaming and I was like, God, why is this happening to me? But also my life has been so shitty and so hard. I'm like, of course this is happening. Of course, like I don't deserve this dream marriage and this dream family that like I wanted so badly. Like I'm not worthy, you mm. know? And um, just, it was so, such a hard time, you know? And- so hard. Can I
0: ask about the the spirituality, religion aspect of all of that now in hindsight? Because it sounds like it was the right thing yeah. ultimately, but like when you're going through something like that and someone is s- essentially saying, no, I don't want to be with you, but they're putting it on God. God yep. Like, what was that like? How do you view that now? How do you make sense of that?
1: that I, <laughs> I genuinely just don't think we were meant for each other. I I don't, he, I don't think he's in the church anymore. Mm. And he, I remember he would tell me like, I'd be like, Okay, this is another OCD thing. Mm. I would like, guys, I was dating. I'd be like, if they don't wake up and read their scriptures every single day, I can't do that. So I would be like, hey, babe, right when we wake up, let's FaceTime and read the scriptures. I remember him saying like, scriptures are hard for me because the more I read, the less I believe. And I was like, what? You know, but I was like, we'll figure it out. You know, let's just not talk about that. I think, yeah, I definitely feel like I don't know him anymore. And so I always am like, I don't know what to say because I don't know him. And he does have a good heart. And like, I really did care so much about him and I know we weren't meant to be. We were not compatible. Yeah. It was just so, you're so young and they tell you to get married. So you just want to get married. Totally. Well, and and there's
0: so many other, like you're saying, you want to have sex with each other. You want to move in together. You want to move forward in your life. And I think that spirituality component can be so confusing. Because... It's confusing enough already when you're deciding very logistically, do we make sense together? Do we get along well enough? And then you have this aspect of patriarchal blessings and how spiritual are they? I feel like it can just make something that's already really hard and difficult and complicated harder. Oh, yeah. Because then you have this extra layer Mm -hmm. of like, well, what does God want? Or as you were
1: saying, after he broke up with you, it was like, why God? Why? Like, why me? And then this is a huge part of my mental health journey. I started having panic attacks and I thought panic attacks were fake. Like I genuinely was like, what is anxiety? What, you know, you don't know until you know, Yeah, you know, you don't get it till you get it. I would just look at those things and be like, yeah, it's made up, you know? And then I had a panic attack and I wanted to kill myself. Like, yeah. I'll be totally honest. Like I did not want to be alive anymore. Yeah. I didn't have like... Like I had people in my life that supported me, but like I just felt so alone. Everything in my life felt so heavy and so hard. I lived in the temple. I would go every single day, every single day. And I was working in the temple and I had to stop working because I just cried my whole shift, Mm. you know? And so I just go sit in this lust room like every single day. I had no other option. Yeah. That was your
0: only way that you felt like the only thing you thought you could do. Yeah.
1: And then I ended up moving to Arizona to like get away. And um, I went to like this holistic doctor. They totally scammed me $14,000, charged me like $30,000 to my insurance. They were going to help me and they gave me like all this stuff. Anyways, so that was like another thing that made things so hard. But of course I'm like, this is my reality. (laughs) Of course that shit happens to me. And so I lived in Arizona for a year and then I came home and then I started dating this guy. We dated for like a couple years and he was like in the church, but not like, I was so crazy paying my tithing for sure, like going to church all three hours. I would go to my home ward for three hours and then I would go to my singles ward for three hours because I loved being at church. So you were going to six straight hours of church. Yeah. I'm not even exaggerating. I was obsessed.
0: And it was my OCD, too. I was going to say, what do you think that was coming from? Why were you so obsessed with it?
1: I think, like, my friends would go home. They'd have, like, family dinner on Sundays. I didn't really have that. Yeah. And if I was invited to family dinner, I was so grateful. But it was always like, oh, I'm not, like, really part of this family. Yeah, felt you felt know? different. Like, family dinner is so big for you. <laughs> like, I used to pray when I was little that people, instead of sending me home, would, like, have me stay for dinner mm. I this is my favorite thing ever. you just like crave yeah that family like dinner being feeling. yeah yeah and I just think at church it was like kind of that yeah you know? totally you had so. a
0: place you have your people oh yeah you have just even I think for me when I feel in at my lowest of lows of depression and anxiety you just want to feel purposeful you want to have a place to be you want to have something to do yeah. you want to be distracted so that makes tons of sense
1: yeah totally And so I got home and I started dating this guy. I started going to intense therapy. Mm. I started doing EMDR therapy. Yeah, we were like so off and on because my therapist would be like, you need to break up with him. But I'm like, but I love him, you know? And I need someone. Like I don't have anyone else. He's my best friend. Yeah. And he really was the best guy. He was so kind and so like gentle with me. But I do think like he was definitely like molding himself to be the person I wanted him to be Mm. you know and I think eventually we ended our relationship because he was no longer doing that he was being himself and like we weren't compatible yeah I was so in the church and he like didn't pay his tithing, didn't do all the church things and was like so lax with everything and then I had mentioned to you that like one time I brought up like yeah I don't know how I feel about the plan of salvation it's never sat right with me and I just like need to be honest with myself about that and he was like so taken off guard you know like yeah and I was like Wait, but like you don't do these things. Yeah, you're, like, well, you're not paying th- your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, but do you really believe this stuff? You know, totally. But it was never in my head. Like, oh, I would leave the church. Yes. never. That is like a forbidden thought. Yes. and so no way I'm gonna look into anything anti. No, n- anti. You know. And um, anyways, we dated forever. I just was going to therapy, and like in therapy, I was learning a lot to think for myself. She was like, Jenny, you're such a people pleaser. That's why I learned I had OCD. I had no idea I had OCD. And um, that's how I learned that a big part of why I'm such a lover girl is because I've never really felt that love and I want people to love me. So mm-hmm. I like something um, I always think about is like, I know pain and so I don't want anyone else to feel it. That's mm-hmm. the only way I can describe my people pleaserness, my desire to just be so loved. I was in therapy for two years and I feel like I healed through a lot. I healed through so much. I learned so much about myself and I was starting to like fall in love with myself. And I do like the self love songs, just like writing my journal every day, like, Oh, and I still have OCD in this way. I write every single day 10 things I'm grateful for in my journal. And every single day I write, like, my dream reality one year from now. I mm. write it in my journal. I have to do it or I'm going to have a bad day. Yeah, well, it's
0: better than reading the scripture. <laughs> yeah, <so>. yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm like, whatever. And so, um, and then I started reading these self-help books and I would feel the spirit. And I would just be like, I feel so much more connected to this self-help book than I ever ever felt connected to the Book of Mormon. So I'd be reading my scriptures, but also reading a self-help book, but also writing my journal every day, also meditating every day because my therapist made me.
0: So you had this overlap period where you were doing all the therapy stuff, but you were still trying to hang on to all of the church stuff. Yes,
1: totally. Mm. And um, me and this guy ended up breaking up while I was in therapy and I was just not okay. I was really, really, really struggling. I'd been researching like plant medicine for like two years. I was so intrigued by it. It's natural. It's from the earth, but I'm like, I'm in the church. I can't do that. You know? But like my, mental health was so bad like again I was just feeling like suicidal and I was feeling so isolated even though I was in therapy and I was doing all the things and I talked to my therapist about it and she was like yeah no plant medicine no you can't do that you know you can't come to therapy and be doing plant medicine and I was like interesting okay but one of my best friends Jackson he had done plant medicine it totally like helped him on his journey and everything and his mental health and so I'd always talk to him about it and so there was this point I was just not doing okay so I prayed and I fasted and I was like god if I'm supposed to like Do this, please help me to feel peace. Yeah. And I did. And then I prayed and fasted again, and then I felt peace. And so, um, I started microdosing, microdosing when I did EMDR and it totally changed my experience. I used to have these blocks in my brain that I couldn't get over. Like this big black cloud in my head that was like there to protect me. I couldn't let it move. Like they'd always tell me to like imagine my safe place and I couldn't. And once I started microdosing, like that's, that black cloud went away. Like it was just connected all these pathways in my brain and like, it really helped me like heal and really decide to like live for me. I it really connected and it really was starting to make sense. And I was really healing and it totally like changed my life. And I was honestly getting to the point in therapy where I was like, I don't even know what else to talk to you about. I just felt so good. And, um, and then my ex was actually coming home from summer sales and I didn't want to be here when he got home. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, I don't want to fall back into that relationship yeah. again. Like we both know it's not right. And, but we both just care about each other. So, it's um, hard not to, yeah. Yeah. And so, then I decided to just book a trip to Europe by myself to backpack for four months. I didn't really tell anyone. I was just like, I'm just going to do it. And I'd like never really been to Europe. I was just like, I just need to do something. and I'm, just, I'm crazy. So I'm just going to do it. I'm so extreme with everything. You know? Yeah. So, but before that we had a family reunion and everyone was going to the temple. I'm still super in the church. I haven't gone to the temple a ton because COVID, like, you know, and, um, and I didn't really like wearing my garments. I'd like roll them up. Like, I just didn't feel super connected to them. And, but I was still so just like, I love the church. I'm all about it. Joseph Smith, all the things, you know, but one thing I'd already started my women's mental health organization. And I was just like, I don't really want to pay my tithing anymore because I'm putting all of my money into this nonprofit, Mm. you know? And I prayed about it, fasted, of course, and all the things, you know. And I just really felt like I don't need to be paying my tithing. So I stopped paying for two months. And I went in for my interview to get my temple recommend. And I could answer every single question perfectly. Exactly how I should. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. But then he asked about tithing. And, like, I am, my OCD, like, also makes me so honest. I have to tell everyone everything, you know. And, like, I can't hide things. So I just told him, like, yeah, like, I have prayed and I just don't feel like I'm supposed to be paying my tithing. And he was, like you really think that God's going to give you a different answer than he's given like the whole church. And I was like, well, isn't that like what personal revelation is? Mm. And like, I used to always be like, don't leave for the people. Don't leave because, of the, you know, and I didn't, I didn't. That's not why I left, Yeah, you know, but this experience was a crucial part of it. He told me I owe a debt to the Lord. And because I hadn't paid my tithing for two months, even though I paid my entire life. Yeah. 26 years. Yeah. And or ever since I could. And, and you
0: didn't just stop paying because you wanted to. You like very thoughtfully, very yes, prayerfully. So intentionally. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And um, fasted, you know. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> Yeah. And um, I... Uh, he told me, like, he told me I owe a debt to the Lord. He read me the scripture about people who don't keep the commandments will be burned in the last days. And then Jeez. yeah. And then he told me that I couldn't, I couldn't get my temple recommend. And I was like so heartbroken because I'm like, I have so many friends that don't pay their tithing. They just don't say that yeah, they don't Yeah, they're just pay. lying to you. Or they're yeah. having sex and they go to the temple the next yeah, day. 100%. Like I'm keeping the law of chastity. I'm keeping the word of wisdom. I'm doing all these things and like, you're not going to let me go. I would have had to sit outside of the temple for the first time in my life. I'm like, this isn't me. I was really I called my dad sobbing after and I was like so annoyed then like go to go to like my family reunion whatever couldn't go to the temple and then I leave for Europe and I'm like do I take my garments do I not I just have a backpack to backpack around Europe for four months you know and I'm like garments take up so much room so much room yeah that whole backpack is
0: gonna be full of garments
1: literally and you don't know when you can wash your stuff when you're backpacking yeah and so then I'm like I don't want them to get super dirty and I'm almost like trying to talk to myself like, oh, you don't have to bring up. Like I'm trying to convince myself because I don't. I want to wear shorts. (laughs) Of course. I'm on vacation. Yeah, of course. And so then I left them and then I went to Europe and the first two weeks I stayed with this family that was Italian and it was so fun. And so I didn't go to church. I was with them. We were at a beach house. And then after the two weeks, I like was on my own. I went to France. I went to Nice, France by myself and I got to my first hostel. (laughs) i was so nervous, but I've never done this. Yeah, that's so brave. It was so scary, but I've always been on my own. So I'm like, whatever. So I go and like, I get in the hostel and these girls are like, what are you doing tonight? Want to come out with us? And I'm just like, yeah. Like, so I go out with them. I'm having like these deep conversations. I'm meeting these guys. Everyone just loves me for me. Nobody cares about my religious, religious beliefs. No one cares that I'm a virgin. No one cares that I've never drank. I've never smoked. Like no one cares about that. If anything, they think it's a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't care. And I just, for the first time in my whole life, felt like I was receiving unconditional love. Wow. You know?
0: Europeans will do that to (laughs) you.
1: Literally. Like I just felt like they really, really cared about me. They just liked me for me, for Jenna Jarvis, not for anything else. No other labels. Yeah. You know, they didn't follow me on Instagram. They didn't know how I grew up. They didn't, they don't know anything about me and they just loved me. And I, like, honestly couldn't even believe it. This is the most pure form of love I've ever received. It's not conditional. And how have I never felt this way in the place I grew up in with all these people that preach that they're just like Jesus Christ? Like, It just did not add up in my head and then I just started started having questions and then people would also ask me about the Mormon church like when I tell them and I would be almost a little bit embarrassed to say that I grew up in the Mormon church and that I was Mormon because people were like that is so crazy.
0: When you were abroad. Yeah. Yeah,
1: They'd be like that is so crazy that you grew up in this and I'd just be like yeah. you know." wait yeah (laughs) it is crazy and and then i didn't go to church for that full four months which Mm -hmm. is i went to church religiously every single sunday i would be the girl on vacation i would get an uber to church and go to two hours of church by myself the whole damn thing yes and i didn't go that whole time and i felt so good like i felt whole and i was so confused because i'm like wait, I'm not doing the thing that makes me feel whole. It was very conflicting. And I started dating this German guy and I stayed with his family in Germany. We like met at the club in Nice, France. It was so fun. Oh my gosh. And then he's like, what part of Germany does
0: he live in? uh,
1: Stuttgart. Stuttgart. Yes. And he, and I knew it wasn't going to work out, but it was, I was just living my dream. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And Germans are so cool. Like so so
0: cool. When I was on my mission, all the German boys were so sexy oh. and I was walking around in like my little skirt and stupid flats and I was like, hello, everyone looks like a model. I can't, literally. I know. I yeah. was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. They're all, yes, yeah, so many gorgeous German boys. I'm yeah. so
1: glad you got a date one. I know. It was so fun. They just loved me and the mom would talk to me and just like, she told me I was like so... What do you believe in? And she's like, I believe in God. But like my son, this guy did it. His name was Robin. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but Robin doesn't believe in God. And I'd be like, how does that make you feel? And she'd be like, I don't care as long as my son is happy. And I was literally like, what? Even though he doesn't have the same beliefs as you, you still love him equally the same. Yeah. You don't even really care what his beliefs are. And I was like, there's no way that if my grandparents knew, my aunts and uncles, if my dad, my parents knew that I was wanting to leave the Mormon church, that they would still love me the same. There is no way. And I remember while I was there, someone asked me, this was like life changing for me. They said, if no one's opinion mattered, would you still be in the church? And I just thought about that. And I remember I just started crying and I said, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear my garments. I wouldn't do all these things. Like the one thing that I'm sure you feel the same is the community. It was so hard for me to leave. And I remember talking to this German guy and he was like, Jenna, I think that when you go back, you're gonna go back to the church. I don't know how you're gonna go back and not go back into the church. And in that moment, I had to decide, am I gonna go back? And I was like, no. It doesn't resonate with me. I feel so good in my life and my all or nothing mentality. I can't, I can't half ask the church, you know? And so in that moment I decided like, I'm not going to, you know? Yeah. And so then I ended up dating a dutch guy there. This was also life-changing for me. I'd always be like, sorry if this is weird or sorry if this and he's like, Jenna, like I accept you for who you are. Stop mm. saying things are weird. You're not weird. <laughs> You're so cool. And I was just like, oh my gosh. He's like, nothing is weird. You could never say anything to me that I would be like that's so weird, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, like this guy genuinely cares about me, you know? I just met the coolest most like progressive, open-minded people and I was like, I am in love with myself I am in love with the version of me that is out of the church that is in Europe that is her full genuine self you know totally it's so hard for me to even say this because like I love everyone in the church and I respect them so much and like sometimes do I think are you fully being honest with yourself yeah I do think that and I do wonder and I am concerned for them but I'm like if your kid is getting baptized, I want to be there. I want to make all the food. If you have a talk in church, I want to be there. I want to be on the front row. Like I still fully support you, you know, and I still fully love you. And like my dad teaches a Sunday school class. I want to come and bring treats. I want to sit there. I'll give my opinion and I'll give it in the way that you want. You know, I'm so supportive, but like I have truly found myself and I have Fallen in love with who I am, you know? Mm. And not this version of who everyone else wants me to be, but this version of who I truly do want to be. You Absolutely.
0: Know? And how powerful that really stepping so far outside of that bubble of Utah, of Mormonism, of even yeah, what the men in that culture want from you, whether they're your age or they're your authority figures, it sounds like you almost jumped into the actual deep end and we're just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was so different. Yeah. It was such a contrast.
1: And I do, you know what's crazy? I do feel like my intuition guided me. Like I do feel like what I used to consider the Holy Ghost guided me on this. I feel more spiritually connected to myself than I ever have in my whole life. I feel like when I was in the church, I like I wasn't able to follow my personal revelation about tithing or yeah. those things. I was so disconnected from myself and I'd convinced myself that I was wrong, that my opinions were dumb, that the plan of salvation, even though I thought it was so complicated and I was always like, God is not that complicated. I was like, no, you're dumb. God is that complicated. Yeah,
0: he must be because that's what I've been taught.
1: And I'm like, no wonder we have this like negative self-talk sometimes because like our whole lives we were telling ourselves that we were dumb and we were in the wrong. Totally. Well, that
0: tithing story is so, it does seem so crucial because the Mormon church is always walking this really fine line of no, personal revelation, find out for yourself. Yeah. But really, when push comes to shove, there's a very small box within which you can do that. Totally. And to be told so explicitly, no, y- your personal revelation is not real. It puts things into perspective of, okay, well then what you want from me is just to do what I'm told yeah. and to take it wholesale. And you realize that even though there is a little bit of personal revelation for most of us, It's not enough, right? If my answers aren't your
1: answers, they're wrong.
0: Exactly. You know? Exactly. And there's so much hierarchy and so much structure in the church that there really isn't that much room. Yeah. And I feel like so many of us realized, because a lot of us had those phases where we're like, I want to stay, but I want to do this differently or I want to do that differently. And then we're just told, like, you were told, essentially, you'll burn in hell if you don't do this. And it's like, okay, so what is personal revelation even mean? What's it even worth? Totally. And then to go to Europe and have people just be like, whoa, like, you're awesome and you're great. None of those things, like, really matter that much. That's so powerful. I'm so happy that you had that.
1: Oh, and I feel like, whatever god or the universe was totally guiding me to go to europe i'm so grateful i did it was so random i couldn't even afford it but yeah. i just went yeah. and it was so life-changing for me it just you know? like exactly what you i needed. grew way more on my trip to europe than I for four months than i did my whole freaking almost two-year mission yeah that you, know? you extended <laughs> because i was living for me and yeah. doing what i actually wanted to do totally yeah
0: that is so powerful i so appreciate every single step of that journey I think it is, yeah, such a testament to finding yourself. I want that to be a movie of you in Europe with <laughs> yes. we can cast a bunch of hot guys to be your European boyfriend. I'm <laughs> yes. like living vicariously through you. So much of what strikes me about your journey and that I want to talk to you about is I have so much admiration for you because I feel like a journey that I went on with with my partner, you went on without a partner. Yeah. And that is so admirable. And in some ways also, to be totally honest, I feel a little envious too. And I'm, I want to be careful about saying that because I know like, you know, different people want different things out of life and I don't want anyone to feel like, well, I wish I was married and whatever. But like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, oh, I, sure. I want to be like so careful about how I yeah. talk about it.
1: And I feel like in your situation was lucky because you guys both totally you know? like totally. I always think about like if I was even married to the guy I was engaged to. And like, if I had this and he didn't, like, it would be so hard, you know? Totally,
0: oh my gosh, totally. There's so much in your journey that I think people will resonate with no matter where they are in life because it's just ultimately a journey of self-exploration and self-love. I'm curious how you bring all of that that you learned, because now you are in Utah, you live in Utah. How do you bring all of that back with you. From Europe, you've decided to leave the church. How are you living your life now with all of that new insight as this person on the outside of the church, especially when it comes to dating?
1: Dating? Okay, I do have one experience I want to share. Yeah, please. So I dated this guy um, for a while that was still in the church when I got home. Mm. And uh, that was really hard because I knew his family. We went to high school together and I adored him you know and adored his family and i was out of the church already i made the decision in europe i am out yeah like you know fully done yeah Yeah. i'm not going back to church i'm so happy it was learning curve because like i'm like on sundays i'm like what do i do yeah
0: i have six hours now literally (laughs)
1: literally and so um that was really hard because like we'd go over to his parents house on like a saturday general conference saturday and he'd be like tell him we've been listening to conference Mm. and i just didn't feel like i could fully be myself and his mom I'm, my heart just like, moms get me. Like I love moms, yeah. you know? And so it's really hard for me to like let go of moms. And I'd already known her and I already loved her. And, but I didn't feel like I was fully being myself with her, mm-hmm. which was really hard for me. And I'd be like, I don't want to pretend, but then she'd bring, th- she'd send me like church talks on Instagram. And I'd just be like, oh my gosh, I love this. Cause I do think like a lot of things sure. are beautiful, but yeah. I'm like, I don't totally resonate. Like I didn't feel like I could fully be myself. Yeah. And so dating him was really, It was, I just like adored him, thought he was so awesome. And I'd be like, you know what? If you want to raise your kids in the church, I'll go with you. I care about you so much. I'll do this. But I always, deep down, I'd be like, I don't want to do that. But I care about him. And like, we went to high school together. It'd be so fun if we dated, you know? Ultimately, I just knew. Like, and even since we've broken up, I've been like, yeah, that wasn't right, you know? But I ended up meeting this other guy um, after we broke up and he used to be like super he was he's all or nothing just like me Mm. super in the church and then he he did like the hgfy trips yeah and he would lead them and everything and he stopped doing them because he left the church and he felt like he couldn't be honest with himself and still be doing that and then he told me like so he told everyone that he was leaving he told his family and I was just like oh my gosh and so then that inspired me I want to be more open about this so Mm. you reaching out for me like to me about this podcast is such a blessing for me because I I want to preach my truth and I want to be honest about this. It's just so hard for me because I know how I used to look at people that left the church. But then the most recent guy that I have been seeing, we used to all like be all in in the church, had really bad religious OCD mm. on our missions. And like we relate in a lot of ways. He is um, out of the church. He has like siblings that have left the church, but his parents have like served a mission. and But they've also like lived all over the world. So like when I met his family, his mom was like, I really love that you're on the spiritual journey and you're being honest with yourself. I just went home that night and I just cried because I was mm. like, she just accepts me for me. And then it was like this thing of like, oh, I do deserve someone that just accepts me for me. Respects that I have put in so much work and that this has been so hard. I have broken up with the church, this relationship I was in for 26 years, you know? Yeah.
0: Like a very, very intense relationship that you gave everything to. Yeah. And
1: I still like, there's so much value and like, I'm so grateful for the way I grew up. It's just it's like I am just following my intuition you yeah. know and so for his mom to just be like I respect where you are I, I was just like oh my gosh you know and then it's really fun with him because we both grew up in the church we can talk about things and just be honest and be like yeah that doesn't resonate with me or like oh yeah this used to be my favorite church song totally. or like, you know and but then it's also so fun because he likes me for me not because I'm this super Mormon girl and I'm gonna impress his family like he just likes me because I'm honest with myself and I feel like the past like couple guys I've dated that have been out of the church it's been in that experience, and it just—I feel so seen. I yeah. feel so loved for who I am, and like this unconditional love. It's so crazy. I remember even when my, when my brother was getting married to his wife, he was like, "Yeah, I'm just like, I just hope that like her testimony is strong." And I was just like, "Oh, I wish he wouldn't focus on that because that can change." You know, totally. I'm like, "What do you think about her as a person?" Totally. You know, oh my
0: gosh, I'm so glad you said all of that. That point you just made, I think, is so important because I think we're really trained in the church and I'm thinking about as you're dating and you're navigating a faith transition dating in a lot of ways is kind of like I mean you're wanting to put your best foot forward like you want their parents to like you yeah. you want their siblings to like you and I'm want to be careful about saying this cuz obviously the mom who gave you that like unconditional love she's mormon I'm not saying it's all mormons are this way but usually a metric For Mormons is like, how Mormon are they? Like, are they a good Mormon? Mm -hmm. And like Bentley and I have had to reckon with this a ton because so much of our relationship was built around Mormonism. And like, you have a good testimony. testimony. Yeah, I'm like, we're going to be mission president and wife. Like, that's what I wanted. That was always the goal. Exactly. And I do feel fortunate, as you pointed out, that we've been able to stay close through all of those changes. But when I do see people having that metric that are dating, I think the same thing. I'm like, I was never gonna leave,
1: and I did. Like, you never know. Oh, I would have. We both of us. No, yes. So I would have never left. Like, if five years ago, knew me knew this, she would die. Oh, you
0: know, literally, I wouldn't have been able to comprehend. Yeah, and that's why I'm. But then I'd be hyped to be like, she doesn't wear a garment. Yeah, you'd be like, hell yeah. (laughs) You're like, okay, um, let's see. No, it's so true though because I just think that's the thing that really is hard for me to see. It's so hard because who's to say where they're going to be in five years? And it's really faith and spirituality should be changing. It should change. Agreed. That is something that you should always have the ability to change and to grow. And so to feel like who I was at 21 when I married Bentley, 20 actually. Yes. Who I was at 20 when I married Bentley, what I believed then, I have to believe my whole life just because that's what I believed Mm -hmm. when I married him. That makes no sense. Like that's not going to work. And so I I appreciate you speaking to that because I think obviously you want to connect with somebody and you want to connect. I think even spiritually you want to connect on values and morals. But we put so much significance on what religion that person is and how much they're doing in that religion when really – that doesn't say really that much about yeah. who a person is deep down.
1: I think something that I wanted to say is like that's been so crucial for me is mm. I used to look at people that left the church and that would be really sad or get into drugs or this. What I have decided, I had to replace light with light. I couldn't just leave and then not do anything. So like now I read self-help books and now I meditate and now I do those things and like that's really important for me and now I'm like I do need to find someone that's doing those things. Ooh, I love but that. that's so personal. They get to do that in whatever the way they totally. want to. You know what I mean? It's not like this rule book. No, I just want you to be connected with yourself so that you can connect deeper with me.
0: Totally. Well, I like that you're talking about that too because Another thing I've thought a lot about is I talk a lot about deconstruction, like deconstructing your faith, but Bentley was meeting with his therapist and his therapist was saying, okay, Bentley, like you've deconstructed a lot. We've deconstructed patriarchy in a huge way in our marriage. We've deconstructed religion. You need to think about what are you reconstructing? I love
1: it. (laughs) I love it. And I never
0: thought about that, but I'm like, it's so true. You need to find other ways to like fulfill you and to fill in that space. That's a really nice way of looking at it. I mean- Tell me if this is true, but it sounds like the biggest thing that you can do for yourself if you're in the world of dating, if you're post faith transition or in the middle of a faith crisis is really as cliche as it sounds just learning to love yourself is like the first thing you have to do.
1: And I don't know if you saw Indy's most recent post. Yes. She said like, it's, I think she said self-discovery replacing self like care with self-discovery. I love that. I loved that because I'm like, yes, like you diving into this world of self-help is like really you just discovering yourself even Mm. through meditation and reading these books. I'm just learning more about myself so that I can function in a better way. And I know why I do the things that I do, you know, totally. And I, I think it's so important. Yeah just to discover who you are and to really, really love yourself. Listen to the freaking love songs, you know, and sing them about yourself and write in your journal what you're grateful for. I really, really lean into gratitude because leaving the church can be dark and heavy, you know? Absolutely. And I think that gratitude has helped me so, so much in that.
0: I love that. I think that that's such a beautiful message too. And I I have learned so much just from you in general, but even just talking to you, I think that message is so poignant for anybody who's deconstructed faith, whether you were already married or you're single or you're divorced, because that is a universal thing, you know? And I don't know, even this morning I was talking to Bentley and I was like trying to tell him some decisions I'm trying to make with the podcast. I wanted him to just be like, yes, that's the right decision. And he was just like, not quite giving me that. <laughs> yeah, And I'm realizing like, I really want to work on being able to do that for myself totally. and be like, I trust myself. Doesn't mean you can't take opinions from people or it's not important to talk to people and learn from people. But I feel like I rely so much on Bentley because my journey has been so interconnected for so long. Yeah. And I think this message that you're sharing is just so poignant regardless of where you're at in life and so I'm just so appreciative of you Aww, sharing it
1: thank you this is like so life-changing for me to even come and share all this you know like I feel like I'm coming out <laughs> yeah do you feel free as a bird now that it's all life out there so good I'm so excited no I
0: really appreciate it and I feel like yeah there is something so empowering about just being like this is it you yeah, know totally. I feel like that was a huge thing for me with this podcast
1: I, have I can't to. even imagine you doing this. I'd yeah. be so
0: terrified. No, it was crazy because I remember thinking, okay, like I've been pretty lucky. I've left the church and I'm, I haven't lost family relationships. I haven't lost friendships over the church. And I was like, am I pushing it? Is this going to make me too unlovable? Yeah is this going to be the thing that makes me not worthy of that love anymore?
1: Which is so wild because you are changing lives. Like you really are, you know, like, and I just feel like you have followed your intuition so well to do this because listening to your podcast makes me feel so seen and so validated. Thank
0: you. That means so much to me and I have felt aligned with it, which is like what pushed me to do it despite that fear. Like I think you're a little
1: missionary and you are still in there. Are we both
0: missionaries right now?
1: (laughs) We should have brought our name tags.
0: Can you imagine? (laughs) We should have. (laughs) We should have brought our name tags. And also, I want to go back to Germany with you now. Yes, Like, hearing about your Europe adventures, like, it's all just such a beautiful thing. And as a parting note, like, I just think it requires so much bravery. I see in you so much bravery of being self-aware, doing the work, and that's brave because – God knows I'm scared to see what's in the recesses of my brain sometimes. And like to really get there, I see so much self-awareness. I see so much bravery and it inspires me. And I know so many other people.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for being here. I love you. Vulnerability is cool. Yes. And happy camping to both of us. Yes. And thank you everyone for listening. Bye. G-I-R-L
1: Hey, my fellow hustlers, dreamers, and wellness friends. Are you ready to unlock the secret to living your best life? The Well Made Podcast is your ultimate guide to wellness, wealth, and creating your dream life from the comfort of your own home. Join us on Wednesdays as we deep dive into everything from online money-making strategies, parenthood, self-improvement tips, relationships, and everything in between with the most elite guests who are experts in their field. So what are you waiting for? Tune in to Well Made and start creating the life you've always dreamed of. Available wherever you stream your podcast.